Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty. On Licking Non-Vanilla, with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. There goes those numbers. I, I love to watch the numbers before we come on. And Chris and I talked about this before. Uh, by the way, you're, you, you've, you've reached Licking Non-Vanilla. But um, <laughs> there's numbers that our, our producer puts up for us, like a countdown before that before we start recording. And uh, Chris and I both said they look just like the, the numbers of the Thunderbirds which is an old TV show that was on uh, mm-hmm. British television, if you've ever seen it. If you're old enough, you would have seen it, I think. Um, anyway, my name is Ralph Greco, and uh, I'm f- here in the wilds of suburban New Jersey, and across the across the country from me is my co-host. Uh, 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 Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian, from very, the very, uh, Pacific Northwest. No, over there. Uh, Eugene, Oregon, specifically. Eugene. Um I just think, oh, you know, Chris, I was just thinking about this because we were talking about the Thunderbirds. Well, I was talking about Thunderbirds. Somebody online did a did a piece, of, and you're going to know about this because, better than I will. Did a like a eight minute little video essay about um, the I don't know if the I'm trying to I, I don't know the exact name of the Outer Limits episode, the one with the six hand, the creature with the six hand. Oh, uh, uh, Six Finger. Six Finger, right. Okay, with David McCallum, right? Yep, yep. Okay, and they, and they, they went over about that. And, you know, even watching them like on a video and somebody talking about it, they're still creepy as hell. Those outer mm. limits are fantastic. But Chris and I have an interesting story, um, and he'll remember this. Chris and I, I think it was two years in a row, we went out to do the Beat Me in St. Louis, right, convention? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. And Chris and I went out to do that, I think, two years in a row, Chris. Was it two years in a row? I think it was two years in a row, okay. yeah. And Chris and I always think about the King conventions. What's great about them is the conventions are good, and we have a good time, but it's just we get to see each other. That's why we like going to the conventions. <laughs> and uh, the Beat Me ones were especially good because they, it was kind of like paying for the whole ride. They paid for the, They paid for us to get out there. They paid for the hotels. And we, we had meals, and it was just it was just soup to nuts. It was great. The people were wonderful. So the one guy who picked this up, Rosie. Remember Rosie picked this up? Mm-hmm. Oh, Rosie's Rosie fantastic. Great person. And uh, Rosie kind of drove everybody around. Rosie was uh, Rosie had a penchant to be a cross-dresser, right? I think Rosie's so. Name, I'm right? not sure how they gender identified, but yeah. yeah well, I think, Rosie, I think Rosie was, was yeah, Rosie gender identified male, I think, and she was just, mm-hmm. a, just like the cross-dresser. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting one night. Rosie says, I got to take you to this diner in the middle of town. And Chris and I, Chris and I are always down for that kind of thing, like an adventure and some sort of culinary adventure, too, because we like to do that. We like to eat. So so we went with Rosie, right? It was you, me, and Rosie to this mm-hmm. diner, right? Middle it was of like nowhere. midnight, wasn't it? It was like it was midnight, midnight we were supposed to go. And it was cool. It was really, it was like one of those, because from Jersey, I'm used to diners, right? I mean, that's, you know, I don't know about you, Chris. Are you used to oh, the diner culture? Love diners, love diners. Yeah, I mean, but like, I always used to go when LA used to go okay. when I was in San Francisco. Absolutely, there's not many around in Eugene, but there is plenty of places that are kind of diner-ish. But, were there, oh yeah, were there, were there some in LA when you lived in LA? Oh yeah, oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. There's cl- classic diners in L.A., mostly actually in Los Angeles itself, but other places okay. as well. We used to go to this place called, the, I think it was called Balboa, and it was a, a basically a reproduction of like a 650-style uh, diner. There oh, that's a couple cool. of them. That's and one cool. of them was way the hell out on the Balboa Pier. Okay. And every time my little geek squad would get together and watch movies at the theater on Balboa, we would go right. to this place. But it was like about you know, a quarter mile on this pier, oh, out in the middle cool. of no man's land. It was that's, really surreal. But no, I'm really a huge cool. fan of diners. I love diners. So we so we go at Rosie's night, and Rosie told man, do you ro- tell do you remember Rosie telling us the story? Because Rosie's mm-hmm. older than Chris and I, by a couple, not by many years, but by a few. Because you were dishing about L.A. and and mm-hmm. Rosie was talking about L.A. and L. Rosie worked for a company that made all the like the prosthetics and the special effect. Because back then they weren't certainly weren't computerized um, for Outer Limits. Remember, mm-hmm. she was telling us about the masks and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we had and Chris, big freaky fan boys that we are, <laughs> she started talking about a couple of things that they made and Chris was, Oh, I, I remember that episode. I remember, you know, so mm-hmm. going back to the, what I saw the other day, um, they kept showing the, the creepy, uh, pictures of McCallum and that, how he, he kept evolving and he did a big forehead thing and it was really, mm-hmm. really creepy. But Chris and I, um, kind of when we first met at the why not convention, which was another, it was a B2B sex convention. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a king convention. It was for the people who, and we've talked about why not before. It was for the people behind the scenes, the writers and the marketers and people like that. That's where Chris and I first met in San Francisco. And that, when we met at that convention, we were grooving on the Xanthi Misfits episode, mm-hmm. which scared mm-hmm. the shit out of me. <laughs> and you told me who developed the Xanthi Misfits. Do you remember mm-hmm. telling me? I can't remember who who it was offhand, but I know that's how we bonded over that because right. we were both freaked out and traumatized as kids. And Zanthi Misfits, like, which has Bruce Dern in it. Yes, yes. And the Xanthi Misfits, you were the one who told me this. Mm-hmm. The guy who made, who created the Xanthi Misfits are the same guy that recreated the the Alka Seltzer little guy, the Alka Seltzer commercials. Oh, they just stop motion, exactly. Yeah, stop motion. Was it Danforth? I can't remember, but I still to the like, to this day. Every once in a while, I'll be cruising Etsy and I find someone who's made a reproduction of a Zanti misfit, <laughs> and I swear I'm going to fly across the country, break into your house, and leave this on your bed and just uh, watch Ralph scream like a little girl. Because you got to look I mean, it up. You got to look, look up Zanti misfits, and you'll know what we're talking about. Wow, they're creepy as they're hell. Creepy. You know, was, still to this day, it's like watching those dumb episodes. It's like, how'd they get away with this? <laughs> you know, you know what's weird though, Chris. Mm-hmm. Do you remember in the seventies there was a there was because back in the seventies, for for anybody who's a lot younger doesn't don't know this, you only had basically three major networks at a time: mm-hmm. ABC, NBC, and CBS, right? And then the rest were like local affiliates. So people mm-hmm. like Elvira was really big on a local affiliate in, in LA doing the horror thing, right? We had Zachary here and anyway. There was a sh- so if you went to school the next day, the good chance mm-hmm. was that you'd all had watched this maybe had watched the same movie. And I missed Trilogy of Terror. Did you see Trilogy of Terror? <laughs> oh god, that's a classic. Okay. Are you kidding? Okay. That's a classic one. Oh, Karen, please. Karen Karen Black is in Karen Black, exactly. Okay. Uh, Richard Matheson, they're all based on Richard Matheson stories. Okay. Exactly. So that's, and that's the one with the Zuni fetish doll, that creepy. That's the thing. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
that's another one of these little creepy little things that somebody made for for a movie or a TV. This was a TV show. It was like a anthology TV show. And I came back to school that day, the next day, and had not seen it. And everybody was talking about it. <laughs> that, that little that little island little dog guy, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's another one of those like little things that like real creepy thing from your childhood you remember, right? Because he was a creepy little like a little island doll. Then she she got a little she yeah, it was supposed to be I think it was supposed to be like from Africa. I can't remember okay. exactly, but it was called Zuni, which actually I think is African. I I don't want to be inappropriate, yeah. but yeah, it was called a Zuni fetish doll. And it was actually not stopped it was a puppet. But it, it showed up. They made a sequel, which was pretty awful, and really? it showed up again. But yeah, I mean, it's like you should definitely check it out. It's on the it's on the web all over the place because you can watch like the outer limits are harder to find. But you know, you, if you put in like you know um, trilogy of terror in a Google mm -hmm. and to um, YouTube, it pops right up. But it's it's creepy, particularly the ending. I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't seen okay. it yet. But the ending is the really creepy part. Um, but yeah, those things are wonderful. That's kind of the heyday of that classic oh, yeah. TV horror things, Cole Shack. Right, uh, Norris Tapes. Um, okay. There's a whole bunch of that whole kind of like subgenre of 1970s horror films that I yeah. absolutely love. It was great, you know. And it's funny because I got a buddy who, who's uh, PR. We used to be PR for strip clubs. My friend mm -hmm. Joe, and uh, we were on a radio show. A ra actual it wasn't a podcast. It was a radio show one time. And somebody brought up, and you're going to know her name. I think her first name is Joanna. You know the girl who was on, who was Isis? Oh, yes. You know who I'm talking I don't remember about. her name, but yeah, I know the actress. Okay. Joanna something. She was unbelievably beautiful. And she was on a, a Saturday morning show with Shazam and Isis. Okay. Mm -hmm. Joe says, so we're on this radio show. We're talking about her. And, and, and everybody's talking. At the time, they were talking about Isis. You know, the, the, uh, the terror group. Mm -hmm. And I said... You know, because I got, you know, just being a wise ass. I said, why is everybody afraid of Isis? She was beautiful. Anyway, and Joe says, Joanna, whatever her name was. And then later he tells me, this is a 70s thing, there was a, like a, a movie of the week or one of those, you know, like we used to watch those movie of the weeks, with her and Paul Servino. Mm. She grabs Paul Servino somehow and rapes Paul Servino. <laughs> now... Joe said he was so disturbed by this because he couldn't understand how that happened. Like, he couldn't put together in his mind how she she assaulted him. But the movie, and I've seen the movie now, and I I cannot, and it and it's played real tongue-in-cheek. It's not played creepy. She just, she picks him up in a car, and she parks the car, and then she gets in the back seat, and she forces herself on him. So... And I, I, Joe was like, you got to see this movie because she's so smoking hot. And she really is hot. But <laughs> it's just weird to think like that was another thing like that stuck in your brain. It wasn't horror. It was something sexual. And I'm trying to think of these things that we saw that were sexual back then that you just like blew your mind over. Because what did we have? We didn't have anything, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot I can think of. My favorite one, which I think we've already gone over, was the the Avengers. Oh, that Diana one is Reagan nuts. And Patrick McNee. You know, that, that show always had a great deal of sensuality. And, of right. course, the famous one is a, a Touch of Hellfire, which is Diana Reagan, this corset and, and hose and spike it's collar crazy. number. Which she actually designed. Did she and, really? Yeah, she designed the outfit. <laughs> and what's funny was the well, cool. I, I remember seeing it. 
But other places I've read says it was banned in the U.S. It was actually never aired in the U.S., but I've seen it. So I, oh, I I've guess seen it. it and it's places. Chris, that episode's wild. Oh, it's why uh, that's fantastic. I mean, if you're a comic book geek, also that's the origins of the Hellfire Club from mm-hmm. the X Men comics, which I, to this day I think that it's it's it, this is a quick little geek story. Uh, we will get we'll get to the sexy stuff in a second. But long time ago, when dinosaurs ruled the earth, I went to the Comic Con back when you actually could go to Comic Con. Yeah, because these days it's impossible. But I mean, when I did it, I was a teenager, and you could just simply buy tickets and drive down to San Diego. And I had been a huge Avengers fan for a long time, the TV show. Right. And I noticed um, that, you know, the new run of X-Men had sort of liberally borrowed from that episode. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of playfully accosted Chris Claremont. Oh, really? About it. Sort of saying, uh, yeah, I noticed a lot of similarities. Right, and he got, right. It was so funny. He he squirmed. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, oh, my God, some kid's actually seen that show. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know like, that, right, yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones is that one. But That episode is crazy. Ones. She gets oh, whipped. In, doesn't no. she get whipped in that episode? The guy attacks her. No, with she her actually whip? she actually doesn't get whipped. She almost gets whipped. Some guy's actually using it against her. She's and do not ask me why I have this memorized because I actually own all the DVDs and right. have streamed them endlessly. So you know, I'm it's, it's a problem. Okay, I'm, it's, uh, you don't, <laughs> got, don't give me a hard time. Don't don't. I, mean, I I can quit anytime I want. Right, right. Um, but yeah, that, that it's funny because I've been watching a lot of those ABC mystery movies and such yeah. lately. Because I kind of burn through all contemporary media. I'm kind of going backwards. Right. But right. some of them are pretty damn wild and weird and strange. Oh, and, it's, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I I have the my DVR set to, to record the Banachek's with George Papar. Oh, I love Banachek. And I love he, Banachek. Is the, he is the biggest womanizer on the planet. Oh, I mean, it's just, tip- oh. it's just oh, unbelievable. God, yes. <laughs> I can't believe I just watched the show. And I'm just loving it. Like he's he's macking on Linda. Well, what happens with this one episode? He meets meets Linda Evans, and she's got to be in mm-hmm. her twenties, right? And she jumps in his arms, and he doesn't remember her. But he goes, "Oh yeah," he goes, "You were the little thirteen year old girl I remember." And I'm like, "Wow!" Like they're getting. <laughs> and then later on, she leaves his house, and it's n- another woman comes in. Like he's just consistently. He walks over to a model, and he's. I mean, he's just. The biggest woman, I'm, I like, I'm loving it. It's just so unabashed, you know. It's like, it's exactly of its time, because that's the problem nowadays. You know, things are things are judged by the what we have. You can't judge that what we have now. Oh, it's, it's a product of its time. I yeah. mean, it's like it's nowadays you you couldn't and shouldn't get away with that kind of shit. But back then, that was just kind of the whole kind of like James Bond, yeah, you right. know, hyper masculine right. nonsense. But yeah, I mean, it's like watching it now. It's like, geez, you know, when do you get a break? When you know, when when is actually going to stay home and just have pizza and watch movies? Right. Or something? Yeah. Oh, he's like, it's, it's obnoxious. It's, it's incredible. So it's a, and I and I really oh. I always loved that show. That was my one of my favorite shows. Oh, me too. And, I and loved I, it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's but, a good show. And I had heard, you know, what he did. I heard like there wasn't another season they were going to have, another, but he was going through a divorce and he didn't want to. Do it again because he didn't want to make the money that his wife would get half the money. So he knew exactly. Was, I'm bagging out of this, you know. Which is exactly. Really, really but I I have a huge weakness for those TD detectives. Not not the lame ones like you know uh, you know. There's certain ones like Manix, which is yeah, I, don't know, right, I like yeah. the you know I like or Barnaby Jones. Ugh, no, I mean right. it's like I like the ones that are just no one's ever heard of. You know, there's right. like some. I just found a YouTube channel where someone had posted episodes of shows that like no one's ever heard of. Right, you know, so it's like I'm watching this one with David uh, uh, McGavin, who was in 
uh, and Kolshak. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a series, and it was like, I'm watching like eight episodes of this thing. The quality's crap because it was recorded off of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how many different you know, generations. But just like, I never knew he did a TV series aside from Kolshak. It's but, amazing. Yeah, that's like kind of the heyday of like the cop shows and the it TV was great. movies of the week and that kind of stuff. Was, and science you know? fiction shows and, you know, like mm-hmm. just stuff that you were like, it's just so much to, fun to watch that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. It just was. Just cr- and like you said, some things would la- last a season. You never see it again. You know, exactly. like, I love but that show. I, you know, I, I didn't know they made a TV series of Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. I didn't which know is that weird either. because the movie is very R-rated. Deals yeah. with some very you know for the time very provocative subjects. You know, like you know, Swinging, wife right? swapping and polyamory yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And this show obviously we couldn't get away with that, but right. they, they tried at least. But well, do you remember? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very remember, strange. Do you remember Love American Style? Love American Style. Oh, yes. was a boy. Oh, yeah, I love Love American Style. It was a bawdy show. You know, it was oh, on a little later, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty bawdy. You know, so well, look at uh, Rowan Martin's laughing. Oh yeah, that, right. You know, you think about what the time. You know, it's mm-hmm. really something. Um. You know, I just came so so this weekend is Exotica in Chicago. So there's I think five of them. There's as far as I know, there's there's New Jersey, there's Chicago, which is this weekend. It's a fan expo for people into porn and you know, all that you know that good stuff. And Miami, LA, and I think in New York. I think there's five. Okay. And I've attended them in the past before the before the great, you know, the great unwashed pandemic. And then it happened last year, but that's when I met uh, Lily and Coraline. Remember, I met, I went I went to oh, see yes. them like a, a night before. Speaking of a diner, I took it to a diner that night. So I didn't go to Exotica. So this year I tried to get press and they wouldn't let me in, which kind of strange considering, not that I'm a big deal, but I got a lot of, a lot of fucking background credits. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a story for another time. I'm a little pissed off about that. But you and I go through this all the time about we're not allowed into things. And, you know, again, we, we, we're we not so conceited that we think we should be. It's just kind of odd when we see, you know, what's happening around us. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be bitter about it. Anyway, Exotica is happening in Chicago this weekend. So if you're, if you're listening to this program, which is Licking Non-Vanilla, and you're in the Chicago area, uh, go to Exotica. There's going to be a lot of people that we know there. Coraline actually is there, and Coraline Jewel. And there's a whole bunch of new, a lot, a lot of people there. So that's the thing. But, Chris, you know, after you get kind of, like, rejected from that, and then, you know, you and I have been s- routinely rejected in what we write, Oh yeah, that's part of the part of the job. Right, right. But there are some instances where we know now not to even submit to certain places, not because we're just rejected out of hand mm-hmm. because we're not part of that clique. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tell, say out loud who this is, but we have been rejected by I think about like three or four different specific editors because we mm-hmm. know we're not part of that clique. It's interesting to me, you know, I mean, it's still a, you know, people talk about being exclusionary, you know, including everybody. But that world, especially what we're talking about, the the erotic and porn writing world can be a little exclusionary at times. 
And oh, I, I guess it's true, true of any community, though. That's I mean, true. that's true of any group. That's true. I mean, you put four people together, you're going to automatically have, like, picking favorites and <laughs> such. I mean, right. that's just kind of, the, right. that's kind of the nature of the beast. And sometimes, like you said, it drives you crazy because you have no specific idea why. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just nepotism, you know, because yeah. it's a it's a group and they only pick from the group. Right. Other times it's like somebody notices somebody trending on Twitter and they suddenly get the limelight. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just there's no way of predicting how this happens. I mean... The same way, it's like we both gotten things like either assignments, like writing stuff, or you know, you know, presentations or something like that yeah. that come out of left field. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just that, like yeah. you know, just the other day I got invited to something. It's like, who the fuck are you people? I never, heard, you know, it's like yeah. you just I suddenly show up on your radar, and I want to know how. It's right. Like, you know what what the hell happened? No, and it's but, wonderful. Yeah, some of yeah. them drive me crazy too. It's like a couple of things. I'm not going to once again name names, but yeah. a couple of them where it's like, you know, I look at my resume, not to brag because I'm, you know, hopefully I don't. That's not something I like, but yeah. It's like, wait a minute, I'm like way overqualified for this right. thing, yet you've all, you picked this person who has like one thing to their name or one, you know, one thing they've done. It's just like, what the hell? But again, you know, they all have their biases and they all have their, you know, their agendas and they all have their, their, their little cliquish things. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. But it is weird. It does drive you crazy. Yeah, because I, I think like the, at, we, the King Conventions had a bit of that too. You know, there was a bit oh, yeah. of, you know, people who were part of the house of something and the part of the leather the leather community of this and you know and if you had to have these badges and you know like you know it's don't just thinking badges but you know it was all that kind of stuff <laughs> where it was like it, it's i think you're right i think and because like our producer will tell us will will, will agree me to with me to this too it's the same with musicians there are the you know it's almost like you're not led into the club you know, mm -hmm. you get only so far, but you're only not let into the club because you don't have this credit or you don't know this person or, you know, and it's kind of a weird thing because you and I have always, always played this way where, you know, we don't care who you are, right? Just, you know, mm -hmm. we'll talk, you know, we'll hang out and talk to anybody. We don't care. So, but it's, it's a straight, and, but in the King community and the, and the, and the erotic writing community, there are it's ex there is some exclusionary moments and people and mm -hmm. publications even I, I mean I saw I saw a call come in the other day for something for an anthology looking for something and I knew not enough to even I'm not even gonna send to him because it's you and I both know who it is I don't even have to tell you who it is um, <laughs> it's uh, all, the only thing I'll, the only hint I'll give you is somebody is a person with th three names and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> outright has rejected you and I across the board. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think that person is reading our stuff. I think mm -hmm. that person gets our stuff and says, Oh, it's from these two idiots. And they're not part, they're not part of the cool, cool kids club. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to deal. I, I, I honestly believe that to tell you the truth. I really hate to say that. Oh, yeah. I really think it's oh, it's like I said, it's human nature. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, it's you know, everybody, every group does it. It's just like, kind of like the more embarrassing things about you know human society and the way yeah. we interact with each other it always kind of forms this yeah I've, I've actually hate to admit it because i've actually i've actually just rejected some people out of hand when i've edited anthologies mm -hmm. um though i don't try and do it by based on like oh this person is a name and this person yeah, isn't yeah, but yeah. a couple times it's like i'll get a story and i'm not i'm not proud of this but it's like the story's fine but the person is a pain in the ass yeah you know, that, you know. You know it's just like you know this is a great story i'd love to publish it but I don't want to deal with this person. You know, they're yeah. either arrogant or, you know, in some cases they're just totally disorganized. I right. mean, it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, it, I mean, sometimes it's also just simple, you know, logistics. Like, 
I remember I did one book somewhere and I was hounding this person because they wrote a story that was perfect for the book. But after about like the fourth email, I started to go like, screw this. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to chase you down. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, I've never had an editor chase me down. So mm -hmm. the least, least you can do is answer your freaking emails. Right, right, But right. You know, a couple of times I've actually not taken people's work based on their personalities. Uh, um, well, yeah, never because they're like, you know, never, you know, but at the same time, I've also taken stories that people are big, you know, big names, quote unquote. Yeah. Just because the publisher likes that and because the publisher's yeah. paying for the book and it will help the book sales, even though right. the story is like subpar. Right. But, you know, that's, again, that's part of the business. Yeah. Um, but it is so annoying, though, especially when you don't know what's going on. You don't know, you know, what their what their criteria, if any, is. And especially it's, it's particularly stings, like I said, when you're like looking at the roster, either it's for yeah. an event or it's for a book and you see who's in there. And it's like, screw that. It's like these people are like, you know, nowhere near as much i've done or something similar yeah, but yeah. again yeah. there's something going on in the background there's politics there's all kinds of weirdness but yeah, yeah it's really frustrating no the, that and that's true i mean because we you you just made it into we i knew you were going to make it I'm like big deal um <laughs> <laughs> you sent me a story um there's a there's a magazine out of uh a little digest magazine out of out of, out of canada called grand falloon Yes, I wanted to congratulate you on that. That is fantastic. Yeah, I love Grandpa. Our, our, our wonderful, you're a guest editor, right? No, or you're not editor. editor? Yeah, so what I'm doing That's is fantastic, editor. Ralphie. I'm, I'm so jazzed. It's cool. What happened with Grant Falloon was I, I, I sent them, they've taken two or three of my stories. And the ones I've sent them have been a little bawdy science fiction, like we write. You know, you and I write mm -hmm. these cross-genre, sexy science fiction, fun stuff a lot. So anyway, then somewhere along the line, they came up to me and said, you were, would you want to do an issue of just this kind of stuff? You could be the guest editor, and we'll put it together for summer. Now, I love you. Haven't seen the magazine yet, and you'll you'll get a copy. But the magazine is done wonderfully. It looks like an old digest, you know, like a cool. like, you know, it's wonderful. And my buddy Joe's doing the artwork. He did the artwork, and he's doing the cover. It's just a great magazine. Anyway, so I got a bunch of stuff from you and a whole bunch of writers. Right, that's what I got. Right. And I had to edit them, and, and I, I tell you, almost to a man, I've taken everything because it is just that good, <laughs> really good poetry, essays, comic, you, you know, at short stories, big short stories, short short stories. So, but there was one or two I didn't take, and you know, wrote the wrote the person back, and you know, and and I think because you and I have been rejected, and you know, we we know this world, right? We 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 would we. Were, tend not to throw the hammer down on somebody when we're rejecting them. We give them a reason and we're nice to them, you know, the whole kind of thing. And I, I think if people just, I'm not saying I'm a saint, but if people just led with that a little bit more, it'd be a little easier, I think, you know, just, and then if that's, and let you know how this is too, you can't, I can't tell you why almost, why I rejected the thing I rejected. I can't even, I couldn't even articulate to you why. There's just some reason I did. It was just something didn't work for me. And that's, my, my job is to be the first line of defense there, right? So, um, and I have, you know, I'm, but anyway, I mean, you could have sent me your story and, and, and I may not have wanted it either. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not, mm -hmm. that's not the way it worked out, but it's very possible I could say, Chris, give me something else. This one's just not doing something, anything for me. So, right. but, you know, I just try to, I just try to lead with that, like a little bit of like, a little bit of awareness and kindness because we've been there. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, the music business is brutal. I mean, you just get, it's like being an actor. You're just getting rejected left and right for no reason. People don't even, you know, people give you like two sec. they'll listen to two seconds of a song and go, yeah, that's shit. Let's move on. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's hard to really deal with. And 
um, just like to be nicer to people if I can be. That's all, you know. Once again, I completely agree with you. It's like, it's not that hard. That's why I don't understand editors who are rude. It's like, why would you do this? There's no reason for it. I mean, it's like, why would you be cruel? Why would you? My worst, and this is my pet peeve, is when you send out stories and you never hear back. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, that, that I think, is the lowest level of person because yeah. it takes, if you can't reject people, you should not be an editor, a producer, or anything for that matter because yeah. you have to be able to do that because it's really cruel to let people just, you know, you, know, you send a story in, the book comes out, you're not in it. That's your, that's your rejection. Yeah, that well, is there so it is. unprofessional. Thank you. Yeah. That is so unprofessional. Yeah. And I'm like yourself. When I, when I send out rejection slips, I always send out the nicest one as possible. Yeah. You know, I never, I never, even if the story is absolute horse crap, I don't say that. Yeah, right. You know, it's just like, I just say, oh, there's not enough room or, you, you know, you know we have too many people or whatever. It's not going in the yeah. direction we want. It's a million, you know, exactly. You can, exactly. You can, you can be nice. Now, you know, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's totally horrible. I mean, I have a quick story for this. I did an yeah. anthology a while ago. That's unfortunate. It's one of my, I, I did, I, most of my books have come out, but for, for causes beyond my control and partially my control, I had a couple books that just simply vanished. And right. I still feel guilty to this day, but it's been way too long. And I think people have realized it's not going to happen. And that's right. just my own mismanagement. But one book, because for various excuses, I'll make up, you know, I'll, you know, I don't know what, maybe like the, the trees weren't leafing as, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the way I liked, but right. whatever. The book was really delayed. So I sent out a message to all the people who were in the book, and I said, I really apologize. It's been like, you know, a year and a half mm-hmm. since I actually put the call out. And I actually, you know, said, okay, I'm, the book's going to happen. But because it's so late, right. you know, I said, you know, what I'll do is, I, mean, I didn't get the many submissions anyway, so it's not exactly like a huge thing, but I said, you know, for all the people who get rejected, I'm going to send you five bucks, mm-hmm. you know, just because I felt so guilty about taking so long yeah, for right, this book. And it's just like, and five bucks is nothing, but it's all I could afford at the time. Yeah. So, you know, most people were very polite. They said, oh, no, we understand. A couple yeah. of people wanted the money, <laughs> right. um, which is fine. I'd send them five bucks. Um, one person, though, was so hysterical because it's, it's so funny. It's like, you really wonder about people in this world because... And maybe most people understand. Let's see, and you're a writer, you get rejected. That's yeah. part of it. You know, and every writer does it. Don't don't anyone ever tell you otherwise. Everyone right. gets rejected. That's part of the life. Everybody if does. someone says they don't, they're lying. Right. Exactly. Um, but this this person was like, Oh my god, it's like you don't recognize genius and how dare you insult me and it just went on like this. Right. I, I remember looking at the email going, What the f- Fuck. Right, right, <laughs> right. Coming from it's just like I didn't respond. You know what I should have said is like you're right. I don't recognize genius because right. I'm not I looking just, at I'm it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I don't recognize genius because yeah, I just I got too much of it my on my own. You know. Exactly. I look in the mirror. I don't even see it. So there you go. I right, mean, it just, right. But it was just like ridiculously arrogant. It's just like holy crap. Where'd that come from? I mean, it's just and especially for it was like you know a a, a little anthology from a from a smallish publisher that no one's probably going to read and suddenly their work is like oh my god it's legendary and genius it's like oh seriously get a good clue whoever you are just seriously go home you just gotta you gotta have a sense of perspective you know like it's you know mm-hmm. even because if you start out that way or keep going that way it's going to get harder for you because oh you know, and like you just said. Anything more. creative, there's always a, a good proportion of arrogant lunatics. Yeah, right. Well, um, that's, that's you know, true. Because, well, you put you know you put your heart and soul into it. I understand, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, but you know what's weird? Now we're talking about books, and this is another thing I saw saw come up. Barnes and Nobles are closing. Have you yeah, seen that? yeah. Then that's that's not that much of a surprise when you think about it. I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm surprised they held on as long as they did. You know, um, there's one in oh, my yeah. area that that's a. Being one of the more 
one of the better known ones, that's closing. Then I read that there's a couple in Massachusetts that closed and some in New York. I mean, you and I did a panel at Why Not about 10 years ago. And at the time, it's funny, when it was more than that. At the time, our publisher, G. Marie Stein, was on the mm -hmm. panel with us. And G. Marie made an announcement. Well, we were just talking. And she said something about Borders. Remember Borders mm -hmm. Music and Books? I don't know if you have Oh, yes. Pictures. Okay. Borders was really big. Really big. Really, really big. And at the time, Jean Bree said something about Borders. And everybody in the way went, what she's talking about? She's crazy. And like a, a year later, Borders mm -hmm. was bringing it up. I mean, like, and I'm not surprised. It was a big overhead, big, you know, big mall stores, you know. And now it looks like Barnes is going the same way. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, not surprised. Mm -mm. Given given what Amazon's done to the to the business, oh, absolutely! I'm not surprised at all. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know we could talk about publishing forever, but it's yeah. just one of those things where it's like you you wonder about these companies sometimes because you know long before ebooks ebooks are kind of like topped out now. Yeah, um, they're still very popular, but for a while there they were just like going like gangbusters. Yes. Yeah. Um, but when they were on the scene, these companies didn't they didn't like notice it or they they pretended it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why would I go to a store hoping you'd have the book I want and pay twice as much for an ebook or twice, more like five times sometimes, mm -hmm. how much an ebook would be versus going on Amazon and clicking one click? And even for a print book, it's like, okay, I'll get it next day. That's like, it exists. So they, they just couldn't compete, but they kept trying to. And it's just like, there's certain times you just got to realize the world has changed. Now, I'm not a big proponent of Amazon. I use it all the time, you know, not because yeah. I love Bezos. I think he's like a horrible person, but because it's the it's pretty much the only game in town. Mm. And that's scary in and of itself oh, because yeah. if Amazon oh, yeah. blackballs you, you're doomed. Yeah, There's no place to sell your books. Erotic yeah, writers I mean, it's like, across the world aboard have been mm -hmm. have been having trouble with Amazon for a very long time. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a horrible it's a horrible mainly because it's like it's the only game in town. They control the market now. I mean yeah. Even if you even if you self publish, you still can't sell it anywhere except Amazon. I mean, there's a couple places, but not very many. Yeah. So if Amazon, you know, dicks you around, you're you're completely screwed, and that's really scary. I mean, even if you self publish, the same thing, and they can they can do all kinds of weird shit no, with no repercussions. There's no there's nothing you can do to you know to combat it. Yeah. It's kind of like you know getting kicked off you know social media for the same way. Now that's different reasons because Amazon doesn't you know most of the time they have a tendency to react. Um, kind of panic. Yeah, they, they know, kind of they, they blow of like, up big and, you know, it's a big pendulum swing and, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. But like, oh, yeah, exactly. Like, like for a while there, they're doing this whole thing about self publishing. Oh, yeah, self publish your book, self publish book. Well, the thing about self publishing books, people are going to publish what they want, in which case was a lot of really kind of inappropriate porn. Yeah. So instead of responding intelligently, Amazon freaked the fuck out and just like blackballed. You know, like anything to do with erotica. Yeah. And of course, the pendulum swung the opposite direction. But yeah. still, it's like, you know, they're just, it's really horrible. There's certain things you can't do, there's certain things you can do. And speaking of, you know, not to speak out of turn, but um, back when I was working with a publisher, there was a point where Amazon reacted again. They went, they went ballistic and they were banning books completely that used certain words. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not talking about like in the book itself, but in the titles or something. Right. So we had to go through and scrub like, you know, dozens of books and change their titles to avoid this Mm -hmm. this algorithm that would just block them. Right. Um, But it's weird. And it's really strange. It's like some places are more lenient than others. Like um, I put books up right now. It's not a part-time job on um, uh, iBooks, Mm -hmm. you know, Apple's. Right. And they usually will take a book most of the time, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. But other places, again, you have no idea what's going to get you kicked off, aside from the, the five deadly sins. You yeah. know, so any of those yeah. will get you blackballed automatically. We, and we, yeah, we know um, that that's going to happen. But then, but like, because of that, there, there is a gray area there. You know, like you, one of those five deadly sins would be bestiality. But, right. but there is an amorphic porn. There is porn mm-hmm. that, you know, um, an erotica, uh, you know, interspecies erotica that that kind of falls into that sometimes, and then then, then you have a problem, you know. Or mm-hmm. and then then role play gets in there because people are using the words like mommy and stepmommy and stuff mm-hmm. when they're not biological to each other. But that is another thing that flares up on Amazon, you know. And mm-hmm. we know that because we've been there. We 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 know what's going on there. But you know the problem with Barnes, I felt because there's a Barnes and Noble within five minutes of my house. And the problem with Barnes and Noble, first of all, you know, when the Nook came in and killed them because they couldn't get the Nook going, which is their their e-reader. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, I walk into a Barnes and Noble, and it's puzzles and games. Like there's less and less books, right? Then the mm-hmm. last time I walked into the, this Barnes and Noble, there was a, there's an upstairs to this Barnes and Noble. It's now offices. Somebody else is renting the space. And I, when I read this article <laughs> today, they said that's a problem. Their, their rental their rental spaces are too expensive for them. Mm-hmm. And then, the, the, but the biggest problem I have with Barnes and Noble, they don't have the book. Right. So you, you, I look for the book where I'm, I'm. You know. So I like being. I love bookstores. Like I'm the same way you are. We love bookstores. Right. We grew up on little hidden bookstores and whatever. So going through the racks, trying to look, I can't find the book, I can't find the book. And not necessarily it's not there because it could be misfiled, misplaced, or whatever. So, or somebody doesn't know the alphabet, doesn't know how to put the author in the record. <laughs> so I go up to the information booth, and they look it up and say, oh, we don't have any copies. Now, this happens to me all the time. Now, I'm not looking mm-hmm. for very obscure books. Now, because I'll tell you something that happened Christmas time. Mel Brooks came out with a biography. Remember, right. it was came out Christmas time, very very popular. I wanted to pick up a couple for a couple people. Couldn't get it anywhere. I couldn't get it anywhere. So <laughs> I'm thinking, like, what happened here? Was there a short run on this, which is possible, or did Barnes and in its infinite wisdom just not order enough? Because Barnes and Noble, when every time I go to Barnes and Noble, I would say. 70, 80% of the time I go to Barnes & Noble, they do not have what I'm looking for. And I have to, like you said, where do I go? I either go mm-hmm. on Barnes Online or I go to Amazon because I can't find mm-hmm. the fucking book. And I'm like, isn't aren't these guys supposed to have the book? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that about? Why don't they have the book? Oh, it's it's horrible. I mean, it's and it's not just, I mean, if it was, if it was an obscure book, I can understand yeah, it, yeah. you know, because, but one that just came out, there's no excuse for that because... But, but also, that's kind of the way the publishing world used to work. It's so horrible because they had to estimate how many copies yeah. they print. Yeah. And if the book goes, you for the old expression, going into a second printing, it literally means that. They've run out of copies. Right, right. Um, and the problem is, it's like if they underestimate it, they're at a loss. Yeah, no kidding. If they overestimate it, you know, then, you know, it's the same kind of thing. But it's just like, 
I've always thought. Now, this is just me trying to, you know, play, um, uh, you know, play futurist here. But yeah. it's like I've always thought that what Barnes and Noble should have done would be invest in cafe printing. Um, in other words, you just go into the store, and if they don't have the book, they print it for you. And the technology hasn't been really kind of like been modernized. And I don't understand why, because it's not that hard. It's basically a high speed printer. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't you go into a Barnes and Noble say, I want to get the Mel Brooks autobiography. And they say, okay, come back in an hour or half an hour. Yeah. Go ahead. And go have a coffee. The book. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here's the book. And I mean, it's, it's so many possibilities and I'm surprised more people don't do this, but I think it's just because Amazon is kind of now like gotten into people's brains when they order a book, they always do it kind of that way. But yeah. you know, I think it would be great, especially if they would have invested in trying to get older books into print. And that's another thing that our friend, you know, Jean Marie Stein has yeah, done so yeah. successfully. She goes through, and she is a master at this. I totally, you know, admire her for so many reasons, and this is one of them, is that she'll go through and look for books that are in the public domain, or she'll contact the author estate to get them back into mm-hmm. print. Right. And this is something that should be, you know, not to, not to hopefully, you know, take any wind out of Jean Marie's tales, but this is something we should be doing more of, because it kills me when I look at my books on my shelf and realizing these books have never been digitized. Oh, I know. No, I mean, lot, so this book, is, this books. is the only copy. This is the only it. I mean, you know, if any copy disappears, that's the end of the book. And it just, it's horrifying. For a while that I worked with Jean Marie, actually, we were doing the same kind of thing. I still remember we would book an author. We'd co- sign a new author, like Jody Scott or something like that. And I, I, I would have one of my old books, and I have to take it to the local staples and get the spine cut off. Right, right. <laughs> which so you, is you horrifying guys could, to right. watch. You guys could put it, because yeah. It, yeah, they just put the big paper press and plonk, and right. then suddenly you have all the pages. And then I take it home, and we had acquired a double-sided paper scanner. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. And it's not very big. It's about the size of a laser printer. And you right. just simply put the book in, hit the button, and it scans both sides of the pages. That's very cool. And then it runs through an OCR software. But it was just like it was kind of fun because it was like preserving all these old books because otherwise they're gone. Yeah. But somewhere I actually have a bag of spines. <laughs> You know, it's just like, you know, here's a copy of this with a, like no book attached to right. it. But um, but yeah, it's just like it, it, you know, Barnes and Noble's like, once again, it's like, you know, why? What did you think was going to happen? I mean, it's like it's like with their nook. It's like, why make another ebook reader? Why? I mean, it's they're expensive to produce. They're they, you have to compete with somebody who already is out there. I don't know. What, it just it makes no sense. Don't I mean, who, just like yeah, I, I don't like they seem to run aground. And like I mean, you know, the the writing's on the wall. Unfortunately, and I, I don't, you know, I mean, it's funny when you say about the books. You know, it reminds me of Fahrenheit. You know, at the end of Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't know if you, if anybody listening. And this is licking on vanilla, by the way. Um, <laughs> but if anybody's listening and hasn't read. Ray Bradbury, you're you're out of your mind. But that's a whole different story. But Bradbury's famous novel of uh, book burning is called Fahrenheit 451. And um, at the end of that book, what Chris is kind of describing is is kind of what happens at the some at the end of the book. Montag goes to a camp, and everybody in the camp is one book. They've memorized one book. So when somebody dies or is going to die, they recite the book to another person to keep the book alive, you know, and um, because books are banned, right? You can't. So that's how we keep the books alive. And like Chris is saying, once those books, those prints, editions are gone, and if they're not digitized, you know, I don't know what we're going to do because they're not there anymore. So mm-hmm. and guys like Chris and Chris and I who have a lot of books. We have versions of books that you cannot 
find anymore, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny cause we, we talk about this all the time, but with my producer, the producer of the show is also the guy who produces my music. And, uh, the, the software is, exists now for that. He has, uh, the replications of instruments that you can't, you literally can't find. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to find a, what's called a Mellotron or like a Ferris fair organ. I mean, organ is a bunch of stuff that you can't, you, you can get, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. And he has it digitalized, you know, digitized and, um, you know, it replicates the sound. And, and in that instance, and I'm not a hundred percent for digital in the musical world. I think it's being, you know, bastardized, but, you know, like you're saying, th- there comes a time when you don't know where those where are those books going to be. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, they're going to be gone. And there's a lot of stories like Jimri has. I've seen Jimri's collection of pulps. Jimri has an extensive collection of pulp magazines from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, you know. And there's some short stories in there you'll never find anywhere, ever, 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 mm-hmm. ever. And maybe an anthology somewhere, but some of those old science fiction masters you're not going to find. You know, people that you know, other people don't know anymore, you know? so Exactly. And I'm so glad people are preserving things. And I love the idea that Mark having the digital instruments, yeah, yeah. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like every once in a while I get, like yourself, pretty cynical about, like, you know, the books disappearing and this kind yeah. of thing. But then I stumble across something really cool like that. Like, I have heard where people are actually reproducing ancient mystery, ancient instruments Mm-hmm. based on yeah. like archaeology they can, yeah. they can they can find a picture of like a lyre and then measure the strings right and then figure out what the material would have been and then suddenly you're listening to an instrument that hasn't been played for like two thousand years yeah which and is i cool. think that is just ultimately cool the same yeah. way with books it's like as long as a physical copy exists it can be digitized it's yes. just a rights issue right and i've been playing around my new hobby is playing around with 3d printing mm-hmm. yeah I know, it's that's just that's fascinating amazing oh, i mean it's, it's amazing stuff oh, it, right it's really fascinating. I'm, I have to say I'm really kind of hooked on it now because there's a whole community of people who are creating 3D models and giving them away for free. And That's it's very interesting right? to, to see what they are. Often they're just like parts, so you don't have to actually buy a part. Or if you can't get a part to something you own that is no longer yeah. manufactured, you can actually 3D print it. Um, and it's really quite fascinating. I have this browser program I use, and I just create what I want to do, and I send it off to a 3D printing place. And... They mail it back to me, and suddenly cool. I get this little box full of like whatever I I decided to print. That's so cool. And it's just it's just really cool. And, and some of it's like you can do really fine work. You can do simple work. Mm-hmm. There's a a website called Shapeways where people upload their designs, and for that place, what you do is they will print it for you. Um, but you can put your designs up there, and people can buy them and have them shipped to them directly. So you can right. have something like you just put the design up. Other places require you to have a 3D printer. Yeah. And I don't have one myself because I can't because I only have an apartment. But yeah. it's still fascinating. And I love discovering, like, uh, you know, some new website or program that allows you to do mm-hmm. something that, you know, only a few years ago would have been impossible. Right. Oh, yeah. You no, know, like, like we, we yeah. have, you know, Photoshopping, and we have, like, 3D printing, and we have, you know, ways of making, like, you know, like mock-up maps and blueprints and all right. this kind of stuff, which you can just do now with a web browser. It's really it's fascinating. Incredible. I love it. Think about like the things that we, that was, were the things that were science fiction 20 mm-hmm. years ago or, and now they're, they're real, you know, it's really, really oh, interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's oh amazing. yeah. I mean, that's like it's basically talking about a replicator. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, just like, it's just it's incredible. It's, it's fascinating. Really. Um, it's, yeah. it's still, I'm still learning it because there's a lot to figure out. Right, there's like certain tricks you have to do and so forth. Yeah. But it's still really a fun little hobby, and I have to say, but. The same way with music. I mean, you could compose a piece of music, Ralphie, that was, you know, that would be on like a, a theremin or, you yeah. know, like a, a, a Benjamin Franklin's last harmonica. You know, right. you could you could you could actually, you know, make a piece of music or make up an instrument that never existed before. That's yeah. the other thing. You can mix and match them. It's just amazing. And like there, there's there's replications of like older instruments that I've come across. I bought a few. I bought a synthesizer. I got a synthesizer for Christmas. That's it's about this big. And it's just nope. the guts of the synthesizer. It's nothing more than, it's not. There's there's little buttons. There's no keyboard, and it's it's just the just the guts of the synthesizer. You just put the put the put it together, and then you you plug where you want, and it comes out. And it's just it's a, it's a synthesizer. It's cool, cool as hell, you know. So there's really some cool stuff going on, you know. But you know, um, we just can't remember. We can't forget what what's there and what has been, you know. And I feel sorry that Barnes is going, seemingly going out of business. But you know, they kind of brought it on themselves. You know, they just like you said, that idea of going and say, you know, I can't get this book, and uh, you know what, go have a coffee, we'll print it for you, and it'll be half of mm -hmm. what the book's going to cost you because you're not going to get the the, the the whatever. That's not a bad idea at all. But why didn't mm -hmm. they think of that? You know? I don't know. I mean, it, it makes no sense. I mean, but, you know, again, a lot of these corporations are so big. They move so slowly. Right. And the Internet and Internet publishing came on so quickly yeah, I know. that a lot of places just simply couldn't do it. And, you know, they they were invested in this. I mean, you know, I think they basically hung on as long as they could. But I think with the advent of the digital readers, yeah. especially when it wasn't a standalone device. Because it's like, I mean, who in the world has a has a, a Nook or, you know, a Kindle reader right now? Everybody just uses their phone That's or true. iPad. That's true. You know, so it's like, you know, those things are even extinct That's now because no one ever uses the damn things. That's true. Um, mainly because it's like we don't want to have a piece of technology that only does one thing. Um, yeah, I you know, I remember, a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember a friend of mine bought a Kindle Fire and was frustrated because it wouldn't do the things that like an iPad yeah. or a tablet would do. And it's just like, well, yeah, it's a standalone thing. It'll do certain things, but not others. It just didn't make any sense. Why, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, it was kind of like, again, it was kind of like inevitable. But they just kind of hung on as long as they could because there really wasn't much they could do. That's why they started to branch out to games and such because those are kind of things that, you know, it's, it's more physical and, and you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but, I mean. There's not so many of them, too. There's Funkos <laughs> and puzzles and all this shit they have there, you know, and calendars <sighs> and all this stuff. But I'm like, it's like a, it's like a. It just seems like a game you're not winning. It's just it's mm -hmm. just going out of your hands, you know. And I'm like, this is just this is not going to end well, you know. Like I just know that mm -hmm. sooner or later, you're gonna you're you're just you're just you just didn't. It's the same. It's the same. You know what we find in the porn industry, the music industry, mm -hmm. and the porn industry. The people who didn't see things coming or did see things coming and ignored it. You know, they got mm -hmm. killed. Well, look at Playboy. I mean, Playboy dragged its heels for too I know. long I know. um you know and now they finally like in the last couple of years they've actually gone full-blown digital yeah i know um and for a while there they're, they they refuse to ignore it they refuse to acknowledge its existence and then they sort of like grudgingly did it yeah. like offering their magazines on on dvds or something right. like that and then they they made it into a web portal but by then they were way behind the times and nowadays is do they even print playboy I yeah mean, it's, it's still, still printed, printed but it's a, it's a totally different magazine and um yeah 
but th that's what happened. I mean, you know, DVD, porn DVDs, I mean, they're still out there, but, you know, they've gone the way of, you know, the dinosaur, and, and now everybody's just making their own content, because you can, you have a phone, you can make your own content, and you upload it, and you're done. See, that's what we need to do. I'm not, you probably know about this more than I do, but I think this is really cool, is the way that people, especially musicians, are reusing what I would call an ancient technology. Like, I love the fact that you can get the Beastie Boys on an Edison cylinder. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, you know, the the way the cassette tapes have now become like the indie medium of choice. Oh, and, and vinyl too. You know, Vinyl's coming back. Vinyl. Too, yeah. Vinyl's a perfect example. See, yeah. we need to do that, but we need to do it with something like porn. So we need to actually, I want to start a company making VHS oh, tapes. Oh, there you go. VHS tapes, right. That'd be cool. <laughs> then everybody's got to buy VHS. Especially. Yeah. Oh my God! Remember Especially those? if you produce them to look like an actual seventies porn those? video. Oh my God! And going, you back know, and forth. the big hair, the shoulder pads, right. you know, the whole nine right. yards, like, and you know, it's like, you know, the the electronic music, uh, and of course, you got to have the um the scrolling you know, interference and such. But yeah, you know, hey, if they can bring back you know Edison cylinders and vinyl Anything and cassettes, why not VHS? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just like, I mean, that's another thing I'm obsessed with is the idea of making. Because, you know, it's like, it's funny because you look back at technology. I know we're running out of time here, but you look back at technology and you think about how hard it was to create these things at the time. Yeah. But now we can do it much easier because nowadays to make a AAA game or a full-blown blockbuster movie takes millions of dollars. Yeah. But why couldn't we create a silent movie? Or why couldn't we create something that uses like the older style of technology? Right. I think it's I think it's fascinating, especially if it's not that hard. Right. There's even some filters you can get to add grain to things, mm -hmm. you know, oh, like yeah. it pop and crackle. Well, Tarantino does recording. that. Like if you go to see a Tarantino movie, mm -hmm. he does a, he, he throws those yep. things in. Yeah, yep, yep. So I'd love to do that. I want I want to create like an old school porn magazine, but printed nowadays. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have you have you caught? Let's just let's let's tell everybody where they are. First of all, it's Linking on Vanilla. We're almost at the end. But did you catch the Minx? Any of the Minx that was on HBO Max? It's pretty good. It's about 70s female porn magazine, you know, uh, for, for ladies. Um, if you get mm -hmm. a chance to see it, I do recommend it. There's a lot of prosthetic cock, um, but uh, but it's a lot of fun. So if you get a chance to see the Minx, everybody, check that out. It's a lot of fun. Um, Chris and I are setting up some guests for the next couple weeks. Yep. Um, as we speak, this will be episode 39. We're almost at 40, so that's a really something. Wow. Yeah, we got to celebrate for 40. Yeah, we definitely have to celebrate for 40. Anyway, um, you have heard... Watch us get drunk. What? What? <laughs> Watch us get drunk. Yeah, right. Chris and I, who don't drink at all. Um, all right, everybody. Well, you've been listening to Licking Non Vanilla, and uh, which is a little hearty talk between Chris and I today. Next time, we'll have a guest, I promise. Um, <laughs> my name is Ralph Greco. That him over there. That's uh, Chris. Other one was M. Christian. That's M. Christian over there. And we had a great time talking to you as we always do. We're talking at you. You're not talking to us. But if you want to talk to us, you can always do that and email us and go to the website, check us out, and all that kind of good stuff. And we're on a whole bunch of networks now too. So anyway, you've been here listening to Licking Non Vanilla. We'll see you next time, kids. And uh, thanks for listening. And visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com.